Welcome back, Bible readers. This is the Rooted Podcast, and we're getting close to the end of the year. And so we are working our way through the Psalms. Um, so I believe five weeks or so that we're going to be talking through the Psalms. I've already talked. I think this is the third week, third week or fourth week. We're getting close to the end, I should say, of the, of the Psalms. And this week, we are going to be talking through, not being able to talk about every single one, but talking through Psalm 57 to 85, and there's a lot here. And as I encouraged you last week, and probably we talked about it last the week before, that sometimes reading a psalm in a different Bible translation might help you understand it better. Because if you're like us, like anybody really, you read one psalm, you read the next, you read the next, and it seems like it's repeating itself mm-hmm. over and over and over again. And again, not that that's a bad thing, because repetition is trying to mm-hmm. help you see something and pay attention right. to something or reoccurring words. So that's good. But at the same time, you sometimes really want to understand uh, what uh, what was uh, in the mind of the psalmist as he wrote. And, and of course, you know, not all the psalms are written by David. You've got a select number. In fact, today we'll talk about some other ones. Um, but the first one we're going to talk about is Psalm 57. And uh, I found the inscription of Psalm 57 interesting because it says, yes. mm-hmm. to be sung to the tune of do not destroy. Is that what your says? In Psalm yes, 57? and then I noticed that Psalm 58 is the same way. And I just noticed before we came on here that uh, they both have 11 verses. Oh, there you go. So, uh, but I wonder what. So, if it says to be sung to this tune, then that tune must have been already recognized, right? And 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 through church history, we've done that with, um, for example, a, a hymn tune named uh, Heiferdal has oh. been used for uh, Jesus, what a friend for sinners, and um, a Christmas song, "Come Thou Long Expected Jesus," and for others. And uh, you'll find that uh, title sometime, or in, in your hymnal. In various places, sometimes down to the bottom right-hand corner is where I think ours has it. And uh, that's the name of the actual tune that you sing. Hmm. So the name of the song is different from the name of the tune. So right. the name of the tune is, is, how would you describe the name of the tune? I guess it's the music, and whereas mm-hmm. the song is actually the verse or the lyrics. Right. Okay, okay, I got that. So uh, this must have been a song, it must have been a, 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 a well-known tune then, if they're already... Two in a row. If they're always singing it. So anything oh, three about... three in a row. So I'm sorry. Oh, is there three? Um, oh, yeah, it is. The first three. Psalms first three, yeah. 57, 58, and Just 59. Just notice that now. Now, that one is 17 verses. I don't know if that throws the rhythm off or Maybe what. Maybe it's an additional <laughs> additional lyrics oh, for this It could be. A, <laughs> Some more lyrics for the song. The, the refrain repeated or something. I don't know. So anything about these first couple of ones, 57, 58, and 59, that really stuck out to you? Well, one thing uh, that stuck out was the, uh, of course, you mentioned the inscription there yeah. at the beginning, which is part of the inspired text. Mm-hmm. And uh, these, um, the first one especially gives you some background. Mm-hmm. And 59 does the same thing. So you got that conflict with, with Saul. And what um, stuck out to me is the praise that goes in the, in the middle of all that. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that's where my direction would be located, you know, towards praising God in the middle of my trials. But the, it's a yeah. lesson we all need to learn. These 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 uh, psalms are so personal. They are. And yet, uh, here is something that uh, we really need to learn: that we probably, in and of ourselves, what well, with the, with our old nature, we wouldn't be inclined to praise the Lord quite like that. But look at verse four. 
uh, is, My soul is among the lions. I lie among the sons of men who are set on fire, hmm. whose teeth are spears and arrows, and their tongue a sharp sword. And then in verse 5, it says, Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. <laughs> yeah. Let your glory be above all the earth. In the middle of all this, I mean, he is concerned about exalting the Lord, and not just himself. Let your glory be over all of the earth. And I know you can relate that to, um, I believe it's Acts 16, when Paul and Silas are in prison, they yeah. prayed and sang yeah. praises. Yeah. It doesn't give the uh, details about what they said when they were praising, but here, you know, in the midst of all this trouble, we have what he says, be exalted, O God, above the heavens, and, let your glory you know, be over all the earth. I think that's characteristic of a lot of David's psalms, is that, you know, like here, he's, he's running away from Saul, and uh, he's in, I mean, I don't think that I'm going to be thinking about praises when mm -hmm. I'm trying to run and hide from my enemy. Mm -hmm. I'm be saying, Lord, help me, uh -huh. <laughs> save me, secure me, not praising him necessarily. And then, of course, the end is the, the, the same words. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Be exalted, be exalted, O God, above the heavens, let your glory be above all the earth. Maybe that's the chorus. That could be. We, we, did, we have a, a song in our hymnal, uh, one of those praise choruses, I believe, from the 1980s. That uh, is almost exactly word for word, 9, 10, and 11. I will praise right. you among the peoples. I will sing praise you among the nations for your mercy reaches unto heaven and your truth mm. to the clouds. Yeah. So maybe it was. Maybe it's an early... Uh, and I have a notation in my Bible, too, that says Psalm 108. Uh, very familiar to this one as well. So Psalm 57 and Psalm 108 have a lot of similarities, verses 1 to 5 of that one between these two. So mm -hmm. again, it might be a, but, but I noticed, uh, going back to David, I, I noticed a lot of what, when you uh, read some of David's Psalms here, um, you know, he, he's constantly, it's almost like uh, he has a split personality or it's almost like he's bipolar. Mm -hmm. You know, he's like, you know, running away, but then he's praising. He's running away and then he's praising. But it just goes to show you how quickly I think that we can get lost in the struggle and the heartache mm -hmm. and, and, and praying for protection, praying for safety and this and that, but yet forget to praise him. Like, you right. know, some so many songs have been written, probably praise him in the storm, praise him in the right. middle of the storm, things like that. Um, but I also noticed the idea of him waiting. Like in Psalm 59, verse 9, it says, You are my mm -hmm. strength. I wait for you to rescue me. And that's hard. For right. you, O God, of my fortress, your unfailing love will stand. I will wait for you. Mm -hmm. um, and David, uh, among all of them, as, as we know, was the one who was treated unjustly. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's the one that God chose, and yet Saul right. still pursued him. And hunted David him down. Hunted him down, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah not just pursued, but hunted mm. him down. Um, but yet God was protecting David. But at the same time, you know, you'd think that if God chose David, then he would have kind of rolled out the red carpet, pushed everything aside so David mm -hmm. could come and, and be the king right away. But that's not what the plan was. And maybe the, the pursuit time was a time of training for David, a time mm -hmm. of testing to see oh, yeah. if he could be you know, who God called him to be, the, the man after God's own heart. The New Testament counterpart, I guess, would be that God works all things together yeah. for our good Always has a plan, so that yeah. we will be conformed to the image of Christ. Yeah. He's working on us, trying to change us. Yeah. Um, in Psalm 60, I noted, um, just kind of slowly moving through here, um, that there was uh, some mention here of the tribes of Israel in, in Psalm 60 and verse 7. Um, and he talks about Ephraim will be my helmet, will produce my warriors. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, Joshua uh, came from the tribe of Ephraim. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the warrior led the people into the promised land. And Judah, my scepter, will produce my kings. Mm-hmm. So I think it's interesting. But I, I've read this already several times, this phrase, Gilead is mine and Manasseh too. Ephraim, my helmet, will produce my warriors. And Judah, my scepter, will produce my kings. I've read that phrase in several psalms later on down through the psalms as well. Um, and not just here. So I think it's interesting that, of course, we know that from Judah would come, you know, mm-hmm. the kings, and here it's already mentioned. And Ephraim here would produce my warriors, though. Sometimes we don't uh, look at this. Anyway, it's just an interesting little mm-hmm. little tidbit that, that was there. As I saw on this inscription in Psalm 60, here's a new tune, Lily of the Testimony, yeah. which I was curious as to what in the world that would be. Um, you know, the lily of the valley is what I was thinking, but the lily of that, the testimony. That wasn't written yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> what wasn't written yet, but I was curious as to what that um, tune was. Oh, we would love to hear those things. Yeah. Just to... So I wonder if, if some of those things, because even if you get into uh, Psalm 61, it says a psalm of David to be accompanied by stringed instruments. Mm-hmm. So there are specific ones that they wanted right. stringed instruments mm-hmm. to play. What kind of stringed instruments would they have had? They'd have had the Obviously, the harp. The harp. Probably um, something else. Maybe. I, I, I'd mention more, but I might misidentify <laughs> them. The sitar. And the, yeah. Uh, what, what, what else was there? I can't think of them off the top yeah, of my I'm head. Yeah, I'm not going to be any help in that, in that nature. But it's interesting that... Psaltery spe- and harp. Psaltery. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the, they're specific, though. Stringed instruments, not mm-hmm. just any kind. Stringed instruments. Or some are for the choir director. Like um, it says in Psalm 61, for the choir director. Mm-hmm. So again, that's you, the choir You're director. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right? So this psalm was for you. So I guess it's something they lead the, the people in. It's just kind of interesting as you I would love to put through. more of these psalms to music myself, but uh, the uh, conflict part of it kind of troubles me. You know, now writing you know songs that, about God bringing judgment on our enemies. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> that might not be good for uh, publicity either <laughs> right. or advertisement. Now, you know, there are um, some of the early Geneva Bibles. There's called a Bible called a Geneva Psalter Bible. And I've seen some Bible leaves from that in the mid 1500s where they actually have taken the Psalms and put them into musical. Um, musical notation, music, uh, put them in. I don't know how you'd say that. I'm not oh, I would love to, s- love it, to it, see it, that. It's like a sheet of music, and it's the psalm is there, and it's all put into. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I have a, some pictures of some I took. Um, but yeah, they used to make the. It's called the Geneva Psalter. Mm-hmm. You should look it up and see because I guess they tried, like we're talking, to put it into words. And have some kind of tune or melody, just like the melody. That was good. <laughs> that, was <all> right on, <laughs> that was right on key, wasn't right it? Right in the pocket, too, <laughs> right? you know, with the thumb. So as you go through and read some of these psalms, you know, it's interesting to note some of these inscriptions. And sometimes the inscriptions help us uh, give us a better idea of the context. Like in Psalm 63, it says, regarding a time when David was in the wilderness of Judah. You know, here's he, he, he's alone in Psalm 63 by himself, and he's, you know, he's saying, you know, verse 1, it says, Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. Mm-hmm. I have seen you. Mm-hmm. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. He says, I will praise you as long as I live. And I like mm-hmm. verses 6 and 7, where it says, I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night, mm-hmm. because you are my helper. 
And he goes on, and those plotting to destroy me will come to ruin, and they will die by the sword, but the king will rejoice in God. All who trust in him will be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, here's David in the middle of the wilderness, and that's all he thinks about. He's lying awake at night thinking mm-hmm. about God. I mean, when's the last time we lied awake at night just thinking about mm-hmm. how God is our constant protector, our constant helper, how he's omniscient, omnipotent, knows everything, creator God. Here's David who's just pondering the the wonders of who God is. And we're usually just trying to think about how we can get back to sleep. Yeah, ain't that the truth. <laughs> or the problems that have uh, afflicted us during the day that, or yeah. that we're going to face. Well, that, and that would really be a good cue to focus on God. Then. <laughs> like maybe the God, psalmist did. Maybe yeah. God's waking you up yeah. for a reason. Uh, maybe to put something on your heart uh, to pray for some. We find a lot, and we didn't talk about this last time, we find a lot of the words like rock and refuge and safety mm-hmm. all through the Psalms. And you have to think about where David is, too. You know, he might see this big rock or this big refuge or a place, you know, mm-hmm. a cave, like the cave. These are all things that he's actually seeing, not just saying, but seeing, like going out for a walk in the woods or climbing on a trail on a mountain. You see a, a rock, this massive rock. and So he's got a picture from... Yeah. Real life, that exactly. We usually don't have unless we go take a hike somewhere and go out in nature and uh, see some of these things. But uh, he can relate to the rock that uh, where he found a, a fortress from hiding from Saul. I also see, uh, you know, the seeking. You mentioned before the seeking, mm-hmm. the waiting, the thirsting, mm-hmm. and you find that over over again in the Psalms, especially Psalm forty-two, and the one we're going to come up with, come upon later, is Psalm eighty-four, where he's longing. Mm. for the Lord, longing to be in His presence. Yeah. So anything about Psalm 63, 64, 65, 66? Oh, I've got noted in Psalm 66, I find it interesting, and you see this a lot, again, through the Psalms, um, when we get to uh, Psalm 90, which is one of my favorite Psalms, actually the Psalm that Moses wrote, Mm -hmm. Um, which then again, that shows you that the Psalms cover a period of time. If Moses wrote that Psalm, then that's about you know, 1400, 1400 B.C.-ish, all the way up until, you know, maybe 400 B.C.-ish or so is when the Psalms would have been written. Most people say 1500 to 500. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's a thousand years of collected Mm -hmm. Psalms. So we even have a Psalm from Moses. Anyway, um, in Psalm 66, verse (laughs) 6, 66, verse 6, I'm not superstitious at all. Um, it says he made a dry path through the sea, through the Red Sea, and his people went across on foot. Uh, there we rejoiced in him. It's talking back to you know how God had brought the people uh, through the Red Sea, um, and you find that a lot of the Exodus coming out of the getting out of Egypt, the Exodus from Egypt, the Red Sea, getting into the Promised Land. You find that is is a constant. Um, uh, a constant series of events that mm-hmm. they often go back to. Yeah, they're always rehearsing their history. And uh, one thing we seem to never learn from history is to learn from history. You know, they, they didn't write it. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they wrote it down somewhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of the reliefs in, in caves and stuff we've discovered, for like Egyptians and mm-hmm. stuff. But most of it had to be, you had to be reminded and, and rehearsed, like you say. You just didn't have history books you could just go back on your shelf and look at. And monuments they'd make, you know, yeah. to remind the people. And yep, then exactly. Psalm 1, Reminders. Psalm 145, where these uh, teachings about their history were to be passed from generation yep. to generation. Yep. 
Yep, and, and they rehearsed them, and just that was that was the because some because you forget so easily, mm-hmm. even when we have it written down, even when we have God's word written down, we forget it so easily, and so they had to be reminded of it. So you know, you see a lot of these things um, in here, and, and even down on verse twelve or verse eleven, you captured us in your net and laid the burden of slavery on our backs, and you put a leader over us. We went through fire and flood. Mm-hmm. You brought us to a place of great abundance. Talking about the promised land. Now I come to your temple with burnt offerings, and I fulfill the vows I made to you. So, you know, these are all good things that God is leading them into the land because that's what God wanted to do. But you find a lot of those um, events that they're constantly, constantly rehearsing. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Psalm 68 is a rather lengthy psalm, and there are a lot of things in here, again, about praising the Lord. And and some of these psalms will say David. Some of these psalms will not. Like Psalm 66 right. just says, for the choir director, we don't really know who wrote that. We know Psalm 68 was a psalm of David, a rather mm-hmm. lengthy psalm that he wrote. But sometimes um, in the inscription, that's why those inscriptions are important. Um, sometimes those inscriptions don't really give a whole lot other than just a psalm. But mm-hmm. when you have a context with the psalm, it helps to understand right, it. especially like Psalm 57 where we started. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, for the context. Um, all right, what about Psalm 69? Here's another one sung to the tune of lilies. I wonder if that's a shortened form of... Yeah, we just... Oh, oh, the other was Lily of the Valley, and this is lilies. Yeah. Lily of the Testimony. Oh, the Testimony. This is just lilies, yeah. <laughs> I'm stuck lily on the Lily of the Valley, of the valley yeah. <laughs> yeah, that can, that can get in your head, just like... Um, those who, verse 4, I underline, those who hate me without cause outnumber the hairs of my head. Can you imagine? Yeah. Those who hate me, this is what uh, David's saying. Those who hate me without cause outnumber the hairs of my head. He must have had a lot of enemies. Right, and we're back to starting with conflict. Yes. Uh, the first couple we had conflict, and mm-hmm. then we kind of moved to starting with praise. <laughs> yeah. Now we're back to uh, starting with conflict again. Yeah. And uh, the interesting thing about those that start with conflict, it's a working things out in his mind. Mm-hmm. And yeah. of turning to God, and there's that conclusion yeah. which results in praise. It's kind of like we're given, uh, uh, a, uh, like we're given insight into their conversation, like we're a fly on the wall, mm-hmm. and, and David is just like talking with God, trying to work some things out. Lord, I don't understand this. I don't know how it goes. I don't and, and all that's part of prayer, mm-hmm. part of talking to God, having a conversation with God. Like, like that's a good thing. Like prayer is not all. Let's close our eyes and, and bow our heads and not do anything else. Sometimes just walking somewhere or finding going somewhere and just talking things out with God is so much more mm-hmm. valuable. And I think that's what David did a lot of. Right. I mean, he couldn't close his eyes all the time. His enemies, it seems like, were right on his tail. Mm-hmm. So he had to kind of pray and, and, and just talk and work things out. And, and again, it's not bad to ask God questions. You're just trying to figure things out. Yeah, we could have a glossy type of yeah. testimony of David where you take out all the doubt, you take out all the fear, and, uh, well, if you didn't have the Psalms, you wouldn't know that he struggled right. with half this stuff. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't know that if you took out the Psalms completely, and if you just had the narrative uh, mm-hmm. in First in Samuel, First Kings, and Chronicles, you wouldn't really know. You just think, oh, yeah, he had a couple hard days, but that's about it. Yeah, it's a comfort to know in, in our battle between the old nature and the new yeah. nature that these people who even wrote the scriptures, <laughs> yes, exactly. struggled, exactly. And that, I think that's one of the biggest things from the Psalms that we take away is that here are men and women who lived during that day that had the same questions that you and I have mm-hmm. today. I mean, the same yeah. type of questions. They asked God about the same things that we think about. Mm-hmm. It might 
be a little different in their context, for sure, but they're still asking God about the same thing, asking God to deliver, asking God to help them, asking God to provide for them, um, and, and, and wondering, like David has done so many times, why God doesn't act, what's taking so long. Lord, the unjust right. are winning. Are you going to do anything? And then David's like, okay, I just need to wait. I yeah, need that, to wait on the Lord. That, that initial response of, yeah. God, what are you doing? Mm. Stuck out to me. Then he works through it. and um, Which is a comfort because of uh, my knee-jerk reactions. The situations aren't obviously what they should be. And uh, perhaps his weren't, and so we don't have the glossed-over version he gives us his, he bears his heart and soul in these things as he works through them. You know, I was looking at Psalm um, 71, and there are a lot of good verses in Psalm 71 that I underline, at least as it relates to living for, for Christ for your whole life. He says in verse 6, you know, you have been with me from birth, from my mother's womb, you have cared for me. No wonder I'm always praising you. I can never stop praising you, verse 8. I declare your glory all day long. And it's verse 9, and now in my old age, don't set me aside. Don't abandon mm-hmm. me when my strength is failing. And then verse 11, I will tell everyone about your righteousness all day long. I will proclaim your saving power, though I am not skilled with words, he says. Now that I'm old and gray again, verse 18, do not abandon me, O God. Let me proclaim your power to this new generation, your mighty miracles to all who come after me. Now, Mm. in my Bible, there is, I mean, I guess this is a Psalm of David. I think Psalm 70 and 71 are kind of all one together because 71 doesn't have an inscription at all on it. Right. Um, And 70 does, however, it's a psalm of David asking God to remember him. So I wonder if this is all part of the same. It mm-hmm. sounds like it. He says, now that I'm old and gray, don't abandon me. Let me proclaim you know, your power to the next generation. A lot of good mm-hmm. verses um, good verses in that psalm. So I'm, I don't know if that's David or not. I, I would imagine it probably is, but mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, it's good to tell the next generation yeah. from the words of James that every good and perfect gift comes from above, comes down from the Father of the lights, with whom there is no variableness, no changing, no shadow of turning. He's always been faithful. And, of course, um, Thomas Chisholm used those words in his hymn, Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. So God's going to be with us. He's with us in the past, which uh, we talked about before, you know, mm-hmm. rehearsing our, yeah. our history. And uh, we trust in him that he's not going to forsake us. Yeah. Of course, and then Jesus also said, I will never leave you nor forsake but, you. But, you know, today we don't have any excuse of not writing it down because we have access to paper and pen. We can easily yeah. write down the things that could keep a journal of things that God has done for you so that you mm-hmm. can look back and read on. David, you know, I don't know if he had, obviously, I don't think paper was invented then. Mm-hmm. Um, or or, or I, he, somehow they kept record, kept track mm-hmm. of things, well, on animal skin maybe or something. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he had, they had to have good memories to remember it, but we don't. We can just write it down today, mm-hmm. and yet many of us don't even do that. And maybe sometimes the struggle with some of ours, uh, some believers who tend to be shaky on their foundations, they just don't write down the things that God has done. So you can go back and read through, and you, and you read through, and you're like, wow, God really did all these things for me. It mm-hmm. helps strengthen your faith and move you on to the next level in your faith. But sometimes it's just the simplicity of writing it down, keeping mm-hmm. a record. Um, you know, we talk about a prayer list, but sometimes a, 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 
a praise list or maybe um, some other kind of list where you see how God has worked out great things in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, that should uh, mm. be paramount this time of year as we yeah, run through the Thanksgiving season. I would think there are a lot of things mm-hmm. to be thankful for. Now into Psalm 72 and 73 and 74. Well, Psalm 72 is interesting. It's a Psalm of Solomon. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think there's any more. I think this is only the one of Solomon that I have that's in the um, um, that's in the Psalms. I think there might be another one. I'm not sure, but it's the Psalm of Solomon. But what I noticed, um, not to bypass Solomon, uh, but he has a lot of good stuff to say in Proverbs. <laughs> but uh, 73, 74, and 75. It seems like we're getting to this other fellow named Asaph, mm-hmm. and Asaph was. Um, uh, I think he was one of the temple servants, or uh, I, it, his name is mentioned in First. Uh, I think it's First Kings. Uh, during the days of David, when David established the temple and he established the Levites and the choir and the temple servants and all mm-hmm. things, Asaph is one of these guys. So he was one of the ones that was in charge. Maybe he's in charge of the uh, Levitical choir, <laughs> or some of the other ones that you find. Um, um, but he's not the guy that wrote the fables, right? No, no, no. Okay. That's Aesop. Okay. Aesop. Aesop. I, I think I said that right. Aesop's fables. Aesop. Oh, it's been so long since yeah. I've but this thought is about Asaph. them. And he has a lot of good things to say. Uh, one of my um, Psalm 73, I have it marked up and highlighted in my Bible. It's one of the uh, Psalms that are, it's really good as far as um, when you feel like the world is a mess, mm-hmm. when you feel like things are just horrible. Um, you don't know what to do. Psalm 43 is a really good psalm to look for because it says, you know, truly God is good to Israel, verse 1. Verse 2, but as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping and I was almost gone, for I envied the proud mm-hmm. when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. Mm-hmm. They seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. They wear pride like a jeweled necklace. They clothe themselves with cruelty. These fat cats, I like how the translation says it, these fat cats have everything they wish could ever wish for. They scoff and speak only evil. In their pride, they speak and crush others. They boast against the very heavens, and their words strut through the earth. And so the people are dismayed and confused, drinking in all their words. What does God know, they ask? Does the Most High even know what's happening? Look at these wicked people, enjoying a life of ease with their riches. And then he asks the question. It's kind of a telling question. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself Mm. innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all the mm-hmm. day long. Every morning brings me pain. Probably some, some of you that brings more pain than others getting up in the morning. If I had really spoken this way to others, I would have been a traitor to your people. So I tried to understand why the wicked prosper. But what a difficult task it is. Now, verse 70 says, But when mm-hmm. I entered into your sanctuary, I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. He says, then I realized in verse 21 that my heart was bitter and I was torn up inside. Mm -hmm. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you, yet still I belong to you, he says. Um, And he says, verse 28, but as for me, how good it is to be near God. Mm -hmm. And and, and through that whole psalm, you know, how many people have asked a lot of those same questions? Mm-hmm. What, what's the point of all this? That sounds like something that Solomon wrote, doesn't it? Like, yeah. what's the point of me doing all this? 
at yeah. the, you know, he's like looking mm-hmm. at everything in life. What's the point? What's the point of all of this? And it says the closer he gets to God, the more he understands. It's a problem of uh, perspective. Yeah. And uh, maybe we could uh, consider for a moment uh, the book of Proverbs and the Song of Solomon as we talk about one looking from around from man's perspective. Yeah. And the book of Proverbs is uh, looking at things from God's viewpoint, the fear of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he, we all do that. You know, we look around and say, um, why am I doing the things that I'm doing mm. when others don't have to do these things? Yeah. Or, and uh, they seem to prosper. They seem to get along. Then until we take our focus and put it back on the Lord, until he came into the sanctuary, yeah, it's exactly. then he had a different perspective. Exactly. Then and, he knew their perspective, the uh, the right. enemies of the Lord. They're exactly. in slippery places. You know? and, and I think that's part in the sanctuary. I think that's part of like coming to worship service every Sunday because you're getting the perspective of how God views the world uh, through the preaching and teaching of the word through worship and, and through how a worship service is oriented mm-hmm. towards focusing on God. Because the whole week it's, a, it's, it's on me, 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 me. Mm-hmm. But you come to the sanctuary on Sunday and it's all about God. It's all about him. And it seems like the closer he gets to God, the better mm-hmm. his perspective. Um, his perspective comes into focus the way it should have been in the beginning. Right. With slippery, and it's hard. With the slippery places, I thought about the foundation, about the wise man yep. and the foolish man. Yep. And how they are building, yeah. Yep, yep. I mean, obviously, we know that God has a plan. We know that God will judge, and God has to judge. It's just his timing is different from ours. Mm-hmm. And we just have to be reminded of that. It's not as if he doesn't see or know. Or understand, he knows it all. Mm. He created it all. He yeah. he sustains it mm-hmm. all. He surely knows. Um, yet his timing is 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 always perfect. Mm. But I think sometimes not when we expect it. Now we've got some more to you know. Our time is kind of fading here. Uh, Psalm uh, seventy six, seventy seven. There's some more here. Again, same guy Asaph here. Um, well, you know. Psalm 78. That's a longer one. That's a long one. And it's it, it's really a history. It, it's a history of how the people didn't respond correctly mm-hmm. uh, through the wilderness wanderings. They stubbornly tested God in the wilderness. Um, so many things in that one as well. Uh, I've got listed here different things. I mean, it goes all the way. What? How long is that? 72 verses. Yeah. Right. Even includes the 10th plague. Even goes up to the Philistines where they captured the ark. It's a long mm-hmm. history. Isn't it? It's interesting because sometimes you get perspective about what happened that you don't read mm-hmm. in in First Kings or First Samuel, First Second Samuel. Um, more about Asaph. What else? Um, um, let's see. Any others you want to note? I think we go to Psalm eighty-four, eighty-five. Yeah, eighty-four is one I've uh, okay has stuck out in times past. And we talked about that before concerning the uh, longing for God. Mm-hmm. Um, here he's considering the tabernacle, approaching it, and uh, he says, My soul longs and even faints for the courts of the Lord. Hmm. My heart and my flesh cry out. Uh, he sees the sparrow there that has found a home. Uh, that's where I want to be, you know. I want to be in the hmm. presence of the Lord. Wow. And blessed is the man whose strength is in the Lord, whose heart is set on the pilgrimage. And um, better is, verse 10 for a day in your courts mm-hmm. is better than a thousand yeah. elsewhere. And uh, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of the wickedness. Mm-hmm. And then the promise that the Lord is a sun and a shield. He gives, he's 
provides for us. He protects us. He gives us grace. He gives us glory. And no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. We always think that God is trying to keep things from us. Yeah. And that yeah, was the exactly. thing at the very beginning with Adam and Eve and the serpent. You know, God is trying to keep something from you. Yeah, he's not. He's not at all because he has a time for everything. A time for that. That's one of my, uh, f- uh, the familiar verse, 84, verse 10, you know, a single day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And I'd rather be a gatekeeper. I'd rather be the lowliest servant. It's kind of mm-hmm. what it's saying, you know, in the house of my God than to live the good life. My translation says the good life in the homes of the wicked. Mm-hmm. There's a contrast between would you rather be the poorest servant of God or the richest wicked person? You know, he says, I'd rather be the poorest servant if it meant. So he truly has his perspective here uh, correct. And, of course, these are for um, a psalm of the descendants of Korah. And uh, Korah, we'll talk about Korah in the next uh uh, podcast or the next one after that um, about the descendants of Korah, their role in the tabernacle, their help. Of course, they didn't really have a good situation in the wilderness, uh, Korah and those that rebelled against mm-hmm. Moses and his leadership. Right. And there are some issues there that we'll talk through. But that's all that we have time for uh, for this week uh, up through Psalm 84. I believe as you're reading, just follow the um, uh, Connect or lmbc.org slash rooted. You can get the latest mm-hmm. there. And again, if you have any questions, uh, send them to biblereadinglbc.org, and we'll be glad to answer them. Uh, again, we didn't have a chance to go through every single psalm, but you've got plenty of time through the week to read and reread. I encourage mm-hmm. you to highlight uh, repeated words um, and read it in different translation, and sometimes mm-hmm. you get a better perspective of what's going on. So that's all the time we have for this week. We'll see you guys next time. Mm-hmm.